Hello and welcome to the Bicom podcast. I'm Richard Pater, the director of Bicom, and today I'm delighted to be joined by Dr. Raz Zimt, who is a senior research fellow at the Institute for National Security Studies in Tel Aviv, the INSS. Raz is one of Israel's leading experts on Iran, and so it's a real delight to welcome him today. Thank you, Raz. Thank you. So if we can start with some of the latest developments that we've seen just uh, last night, this morning in the international media, um, that, it, that Iran has, a, has made an agreement with the, uh, with the IAEA to extend the, uh, the right of UN inspectors to certain sites. Um, but at the same time, we've seen uh, um, reports from the Iranian parliament that they're going to prevent that access um, and limit the ability for them to carry out SNAP inspections. So if we could just start, you can make order for us of exactly what's going on there on that issue. Well, there seems to be an understanding between the IEA and Iran, which tries, I would say, to somehow bypass this uh, legislation passed by the Iranian Mazdas. Uh, and the, the, the bottom line is that uh, the additional protocol will not be observed by Iran uh, from tomorrow on. But uh, there seems to be several understanding between the IEA and Iran to make, uh, to make the inspectors um, perhaps more room to continue their efforts in Iran. So for example, uh, while Iran decided not to give the IEA any access to the cameras, to the recording of the cameras uh, installed in the facilities, in nuclear facilities, uh, what was uh, uh, reached between the IEA and Iran is a certain arrangement which, which says that Iran will, will continue to record uh, what's going on in the facilities, but will not give access to the IEA for the next three months. And then if the sanctions are removed, uh, all those recordings are going to be delivered to the IEA. So uh, it's it actually um, a way to prevent gaps in the IEA inspections in Iran for the, for the next um, uh, several months. The more important issue I think is that it, uh, it leaves more room uh, for both the United States and Iran to try and reach understanding over the issue of uh, going back to the JCPOA. Right. Well, certainly, we'll certainly come on to that. But uh, with regarding the decision made by the uh, the Iranian Parliament, how do you rate that relative to the other violations that we've seen also in the last uh, year or two? Well, I don't think we should uh, uh, rate uh, each and every uh, Iranian violation uh, separately. I think we should look at the process uh, as a whole. And the process uh, as a whole since the summer of 2019, when Iran started to violate its commitments to the JCPOA, is very concerning. Because the meaning of that is, is, is that uh, uh, it has reduced the, the, the distance to the so-called breakout capability or breakout time which means that the time needed to uh, accumulate uh, the fissile material needed for at least one nuclear, uh, nuclear weapon. Uh, of course, the, there are several uh, actions carried out by Iran which are more uh, worrisome. For, for example, I give you several examples. If you take the, 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 the research and development of uh, uh, advanced centrifuges, for example, carried out by Iran, uh, over the last few months, this is very concerning because it's irreversible. It's irreversible. I mean, even if tomorrow morning Iran is going to uh, rejoin the JCPOA uh, in exchange for removing the sanctions, uh, the, the progress is, it, it has made in research and development of uh, uh, advanced centrifuges are not going to be reversible. Or if you take, for example, the, the recent decision made by the Iranian parliament uh, to produce uh, so-called uh, metallic uranium 
this is again very concerning because the, this material could be used in the future uh, to build the core of uh, of nuclear weapon. Uh, so, uh, or, or again, if, if if there is no uh, understanding yesterday between the IEA and Iran, this would result in gaps in uh, supervising the activities in the nuclear uh, facilities in Iran. So I think the bottom line is that the, the process as a whole is very concerning uh, because if Iran was uh, approximately a year away from breakout to nuclear weapon after the JCPOA was signed, today it is uh, just uh, two or three or month or, or whole month away. And this uh, this time is going to be reduced even further if, the, uh, if Iran takes additional steps in the next few months. Thank you. I mean, how would you assess overall kind of the, the, the Iranians approach now to dealing with, uh, with, with the nuclear issue uh, with regard to the new Biden administration? Well, I think it depends on, on the political uh, uh, position of, 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 of the, of the so-called Iranians. I mean, if, if you're an Iranian hardliner, uh, the Iranian hardliners were always very uh, suspicious concerning uh, the United States and even Biden. I mean, even before uh, the elections in the States uh, and after Biden was, was elected, uh, the so-called hardliners were saying, well, there is no difference between Biden and, and, uh, and, and Trump. The only objective of the United States is to carry out regime change in Iran. So it doesn't really matter who, who is the president of the United States. Uh, the pragmatists, on the other hand, especially President Rouhani, Foreign Minister Zarif, were saying that, uh, uh, yes, there is a difference between Trump and, and Biden. And I think they were quite optimistic concerning the the possibility of rejoining the JCPOA. I would say that perhaps there is a little uh, um, uh, disappointment over the, the last few weeks in Iran, even among the pragmatists saying, well, uh, we expected Biden to uh, immediately going back to the JCPOA to remove sanctions. This didn't happen. But I think that there is still uh, a level of optimism in Iran, especially among the more pragmatic uh, uh, circles in Iran that there is more potential for uh, removing of the sanctions and, and perhaps uh, going back to the JCPOA uh, in the next few months or, or, or even weeks. Do you expect there to be any uh, significant developments before the, uh, the the Iranian election in in June? Look, the Iranian elections are due in, uh, in June, but the, the campaign is going to start in, uh, in about two months from, from today, uh, just after the Nowruz, the Iranian uh, New Year in, in late March, beginning of April. So I think it's very unlikely that the, we will see any real uh, agreement or arrangement between the United States and Iran by then. I think that the, the, the most optimistic view we can, we can think of is a kind of uh, de-escalation de process between the United States and Iran, perhaps a general understanding on the ways to, uh, 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 to arrange this issue of uh, sequence between Iran's going back to its compliance and the United States uh, removing of the sanctions. But even if this process begins, uh, it will certainly not end by, by the, the presidential election in June. Can you give us a sense how, how significant is the uh, nuclear issue playing out in, uh, in, within domestic politics within, uh, within Iran? Well, first of all, uh, the, 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 again, if, if we're going back to the, uh, the division between pragmatists and hardline in Iran, the, this, the, the elections certainly plays a role between, because the pragmatists, uh, especially when it comes to their uh, efforts to put more pressure on the Biden administration, are certainly making use 
of the elections to to uh, to to make a stand saying, well, if if you Biden uh, don't reach an agreement within the next few weeks, that you might face a hardliner as the president of Iran, and then you'll you'll never be able to to reach an agreement. Uh, the hardliners, on, on the other hand, uh, who were uh, very critical of uh, Rouhani's uh, policy of uh, of uh, concession to the West, are using the nuclear issue to uh, uh, to 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 attack. Uh, Rouhani and his uh, his colleagues. Rouhani, of course, cannot cannot run again for a third uh, uh, term. But they 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 uh, they are using the nuclear issue to to attack him and to criticize him. Uh, so one of the one of the reasons, for example, for the recent leg legislation in the Madras uh, um, was because of the massive issues inside Iran. That that was not the only uh, reason, but one of the reasons. I think the most important, perhaps. Uh, question is whether political considerations are used by Khamenei himself to make a decision. Because I, I think Khamenei is in, uh, in, in, a solid, in a dilemma. Because on the one side, he, is, he clearly wants to, uh, to remove sanctions, and he wants the economic uh, situation in Iran to, to improve. But on the other hand, I think uh, he is concerned with the possibility that if there is an agreement between the United States and and Iran over the next few months, it might be attributed to President Rouhani, and that might strengthen the, the, the more pragmatist camp in Iran. So I, I think that Khamenei would probably want this process to be uh, gradual. So even if there is, there are understandings between the United States and Iran, it, uh, the, 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 the fruits of this process will not be, uh, will not be available until the, until the election in June. And with with the, and with the hardliners, how closely associated are they with the uh, with the IRCG? The RGC. With RGC. Well, well, yeah. uh, it it uh, I, I would say this: you have two major camps, political camps in Iran. One one is the the so-called hardliners, and the second one is the the so-called pragmatists. Uh, uh, I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't refer to the reformists because the real reformists. Are not going to, to be qualified to participate in the elections. Uh, it's still very early to say who, who is going to be the candidate, uh, the, the candidate in, in, in Iran. Uh, if you talk about the more pragmatic camp, uh, the obvious, the, 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 the most significant name today is, some, is Ali Larijani, who was the the, 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 the the speaker of the of the Majlis. Uh, mm. I would consider consider him as a as a, certainly not as a reformist or even as a, as a moderate, he's so-called a pragmatic uh, conservative, but he might have the support of the reformists because uh, they, they supported Rouhani as well. On the other, on the other hand, you have uh, hardliners like uh, uh, the head of the, the current head of the judiciary, Ibrahim Raisi, uh, who uh, participated in 2017 uh, again, Iran against Rouhani and received about 30%. So it's not clear if he's going to run again. And then you have different uh, potential candidates who were, uh, most of them were uh, ex-generals in the IRGC. Uh, for example, uh, uh, Mayor Tehran Mayor Ralibaf, uh, Mohammed Bakir Ralibaf. I would not consider him as an IRGC uh, commander because he's he's been it's it's been age, uh, many years since he, he was in the IRGC. But uh, if you take for example someone like uh, Hossein Dehkan, 
who was the defense minister and he's also serving today as a, as a advisor to, to Khamenei. This is someone who served in the IRGC. He, he could have a support both from the hardliners, but also from the moderate because he was the defense minister under Rouhani. Uh, so this is perhaps a third uh, a third uh, camp in, in Iran. I think it's early to, to, to predict the, uh, the, the, the election results. Thank you. Um, in terms of the, the Iranian endgame and its policy of these uh, incremental steps in which they violate uh, the, the agreement, where, where, is, where, where is this taking uh, Iranian policy? So I, th I think the endgame is, is very clear, is to remove the sanction. I mean, the, the JCPOA itself was considered to be uh, a tool uh, in order to remove sanctions. Uh, I think that everyone understands that the JCPOA was not uh, aimed uh, and did not mean that Iran gave up the, uh, the, 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 uh, its, its will and its, its objective of, uh, of uh, achieving a military nuclear option. That was not the meaning of the JCPOA. The JCPOA was the way Iran uh, uh, used in order to remove the international economic sanction, uh, even uh, if that meant that it was ready to uh, delay a little bit its, uh, its uh, nuclear ambition. So right now we're seeing the same thing, just as the JCPOA was meant to remove sanctions, going back to the JCPOA is meant to, uh, to do the same thing. But again, we have to, 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 to keep in mind that there has always been uh, uh, disagreements between the hardliners and the pragmatists concerning the JCPOA. I mean, even before uh, President Trump's decision to withdraw from the JCPOA in May 2018, there was growing criticism within Iran, especially from from the hardliners and even by uh, Supreme Leader Khamenei saying that the JCPOA uh, uh, was not working for Iran because uh, the, the, the primary sanctions were not removed. And most uh, European companies uh, were not ready to, to do business with Iran even before Trump uh, uh, withdrew from the deal because of other uh, problems concerning, for example, the IRGC control uh, in the Iranian economy. Uh, corruption and all those problems which make uh, uh, make many businessmen many, many companies uh, a lot of problem dealing with Iran uh, and, and today I, I think that even Supreme Leader Khamenei when you listen to what he says uh, he's more talk, he's talking more and more about uh, dealing with economic problems not through removal of the sanctions uh, but through uh, neutralizing the sanctions what what he actually says is that uh, uh, the United States proved itself to be uh, that, that, uh, proved that we, we cannot trust the United States. Uh, there is always the possibility that, that the future administration in Washington is going to reimpose sanctions. So we can't deal with that. We have to try and, and find a way to neutralize the sanctions, other than to remove them. How do you think that's 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 working out? I mean, how how long can they sustain the, uh, the sanctions? Well, that's a very difficult question. I, I was uh, among those who, who said, uh, even under Trump, that uh, Iran is not on the verge of economic collapse. I mean, uh, it's, it, I think that we have to take into consideration uh, three main issues. One, one is that the Iranian economy is very resilient, and uh, and you could you could actually see the way they adapt their, they adapt themselves to. Uh, to the sanctions regime. So, for example, they 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 tried and they did it actually quite successfully 
to diversify their economy with, with regard to, uh, to other markets. They put more emphasis uh, on expanding their economic relations, for example, with regional players, Iraq, Afghanistan, other, other markets which are less vulnerable to US sanctions. And, uh, and mainly they try to diversify uh, the products for uh, so for example for the for the first year for the first time uh, in last year the oil experts uh, or the non-oil experts exceeded uh, oil experts from Iran uh, so this is one one major uh, issue the, the other thing is that we have to remember uh, that uh, Iran uh, as uh, Foreign Minister Zarif once said, Iran has a PhD in bypassing uh, sanctions. So they, they know how to do that. So if you look, for example, at uh, uh, oil exports from Iran, a year ago, it was under uh, six or 700,000 uh, barrels per day. Uh, today, it's uh, around 1 million barrels per day, even before any, any change in US policy. So they, they managed to find other ways to deal with the sanctions. And I think that there is another issue, which is that even if the sanctions are not uh, entirely removed, the United States is probably going to take some, uh, I would say, confidence building measures, which might improve the economic situation in Iran. So just this morning, there was this report saying that uh, Iran and South Korea have uh, agreed to uh, deal with the issue, to, to remove uh, the constraints over the issue of uh, frozen assets uh, of Iran in South Korea. Uh, there is a possibility that the United States will authorize uh, this IMF uh, loan of 5 billion euros to Iran. So I think the bottom line is that uh, even if the economic situation in Iran uh, continues to be uh, in a very bad shape, and it is in a very bad shape, when you look at the inflation or unemployment, it is in a very bad shape. But I think that today it is uh, a, little, a little better than before. And uh, if you look at the assessments of the IMF or the World Bank, most of their assessments uh, uh, to 2021 and 22 are a little bit more optimistic than they used to be. Um, thank you. If we can turn our attention now to kind of to Israel's uh, Israel's perspective, um, and we've heard a few statements uh, recently from uh, from from government officials and also kind of significantly from the IDF chief of staff. Uh, Speaking out about it a couple a couple of weeks ago, um, what do you what do you make of the Israel uh, the Israel response and and what do you think Israel's uh, best uh, approach should be to the issue? Well, um, my personal opinion, this is my my of course my personal opinion. I don't I do not represent the official uh, uh, position of the state of Israel. I, I personally was not against the JCPOA. I didn't think it was the best deal ever uh, ever reached in the history of humankind. Uh, but I think it, I thought it was the best uh, way to deal, or at least to delay uh, Iran's nuclear uh, program. And then I was certainly against Trump's decision to leave the deal, because unfortunately I, I said again and again, and unfortunately I was right, that the maximum pressure policy is not going to force Iran into accepting the 12 demands made by Pompeo, or even one or two of them. It, was, it will just accelerate Iran's nuclear problem, and, and that, that's exactly what, what happened. So I think that uh, uh, Israel should uh, try to convince the United States to try and achieve uh, an extension of the JCPOA, uh, uh, to, uh, uh, which will deal with the major flows 
of, uh, of the JCPOA, but we have to be realistic. And unfortunately, I do not think that Iran is going to agree uh, to any kind of negotiations uh, to extend the JCPOA or to improve the JCPOA before going back to the original JCPOA. Because uh, if Khamenei tomorrow morning comes and says, you know what, I agree to reopen uh, the JCPOA and to renegotiate the JCPOA, the meaning of that is he actually will admit that the maximum pressure policy uh, worked, uh, that we, it was uh, 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 efficient. And he will never do that. Uh, so I think the only way to go for, for, uh, forward is to go back to the JCPOA and then to try to extend it. Now, the, there are many people, including mainly in Israel, who say, well, if, if the sanctions are removed, it will be impossible to uh, convince the Iranians to go back to the, to the negotiating table. I cannot rule out this, uh, th these concerns, but I have to say two things. One is that the Iranians themselves have some uh, demands uh, from their, of their own. Uh, they, they want, as I said before, they want to remove the primary sanctions imposed by the United States. So I think it might be uh, possible, not today, not tomorrow, perhaps uh, only in, uh, after, after the, the confidence, the Iranian confidence are, is going to be rebuilt, it might be possible to, uh, to reach an understanding with Iran saying, we will deal, for example, the issue of the sunset clauses in exchange for removing some of the primary sanctions imposed by the United States. And there is another thing, and uh, I think the uh, Biden, uh, the Biden administration uh, uh, says that again and again, that if Iran is not ready to, to extend the deal in the future, it's always a possibility to uh, you to reimpose sanctions in order to convince Iran to do that. I'm not sure it, it is going to work, but I think that this is the, the more realistic uh, approach. I do think that uh, in addition to uh, what's going on between the, uh, the United States and Iran, Israel should try and uh, achieve uh, understanding with the United States uh, concerning the, uh, sort of, uh, a sort of a parallel agreement between Israel and the United States, which will set up the, the so-called red line. What are the red lines uh, that if the Iranians cross, this means that the United States will be committed to use whatever necessary means, including military action, uh, in order to prevent that from happening. And in addition, Israel should continue its efforts to uh, develop its own uh, military response. Uh, nobody wants to use that, but if Iran uh, crosses the line and break out uh, uh, to a weapon, this might be the only option uh, for Israel uh, to address the issue. Um, do you think there is kind of a complete agreement between Israel and their, their new partners within the Arab world under the guise of the Abraham Accords that Israel is kind of fully on the same page with the, the UAE and Saudi Arabia, for example? I'm not sure. Uh, first of all, I think that the, the UAE and Saudi Arabia, uh, are, yes, they are concerned with the nuclear issue, but I think that their main concern is, the, is concerning the, the issue of, of the long-range missile from Iran. And I think that the, both the Saudis and the, the UAE are much more vulnerable to, uh, to Iranian pressure. Uh, we, 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 we all remember uh, how the Saudis did nothing after the, the Iranian attack uh, against the, uh, the, the, the oil installation in Saudi Arabia in September 2019. Uh, so I'm not sure that we should count on our new partners 
uh, we, we, might, we might be able to try and uh, coordinate our, our efforts with those uh, countries, but in the end, uh, they are not going to do anything which uh, will expose them to Iranian uh, um, reaction. That's my, my sense. Thank you. Uh, and just finally, I mean, how do you how do you do how do you foresee the the, the uh, this story developing? And if I can ask you to do forecasting, how how concerned are you for a regional deterioration uh, at some point this year? Well, I think that when we speak about uh, regional issues, uh, Iran's regional uh, activity, we have to separate between two things. Uh, one are the Iranian actions in the region, which were uh, related to the so-called maximum resistance policy adopted by Iran uh, as a reaction to Trump's maximum pressure policy. And I, I, by that, I refer to the sabotage activities carried out by the IRGC against uh, oil vessels in Persian Gulf or the attack against Saudi Arabia. Uh, this, these, these kind of actions are, uh, are, are less, um, there are less activities like that over the last year. But they might renew if the state, the stalemate between Iran and the United States continues. So this is one kind of uh, so-called uh, malign Iranian activity in the region. The other issue uh, relates to the activities carried out by Iran to expand their influence in the region. Uh, Syria, uh, their uh, support for the, the pro-Iranian Shia militias in Iraq, their support for Hezbollah, their support for the Palestinian Islamic Organization in Gaza. These activities have nothing to do or have almost nothing to do with the nuclear issue. Uh, they, they were carried out by Iran before the JCPOA, after the JCPOA, they will certainly continue in the future. So I think that uh, they are aimed to achieve Iranian interests. And just as we saw last week, the attack probably carried out by pro-Iranian militias uh, against uh, in Erbil in northern Iraq, uh, and we can we can definitely see continued Iranian efforts uh, to deliver precise weapons to Hezbollah, and Iranian continued efforts to uh, entrench itself in Syria. These kind of efforts are probably going to continue, and th those are concerning because uh, uh, such activities either in Iraq either in Syria and either in Lebanon, has the, have the potential of escalating things into a major clash between either between the Iran and the United States when it comes to Iraq or between Iran and Israel when it comes to Lebanon or, or to Syria. But I think the, these are not related, at least not directly, to the nuclear issue. Okay, Raz, thank you very much indeed. We'll keep a, a watch and brief on this, but thank you so much for your insight today. My pleasure, thank you.